I didn't see you there. I didn't realize I was podcasting. Hey, I guess we should start the TFT podcast, Theory for Turntables. I'm Matt, and that sitting right next to me is Ryan. Ryan, this is not my idea of a good time. Matt, I came to cut you up. I came to knock you down. I came to tear your little world apart. And uh, we're also joined by TFT punk correspondent Rachel. Rachel, I only listen to the sad, sad songs. I'm only happy when it rains also, Matt. <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah, I, I, you're the real champion on the show of downer music. <laughs> so uh, pour your misery down on us. <laughs> hey, guys, we're talking about uh, the debut album of Garbage, the self-titled album uh, Garbage, which is from... Um, 1995. We're we're still in 1995, and this this record uh, features an all star lineup. God, I should have gotten the facts up on on Wikipedia, right? Uh, That's the thing. Is like when now that we're looking at each other, it's actually harder to look at our screens, and yeah. so this is going to be chemistry rich but fact light. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the the te- the tempo. We don't get kind of knocked off by the Skype latency, and we can just like stick those jokes and. So, uh, listen, from Wikipedia, I can tell you, municipal solid waste, commonly known as... Garbage. Wait, no. Garbage disambiguation. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very... This is the one um, This is the one topic that I'm academically qualified to speak on because I actually have uh, research garbage. Um, uh, and so uh, I can tell you a lot about uh, the, the kinds of... The, uh, the dynamics of collective action that contribute to ga- garbage. And there are, there are many. Yeah. Uh, it takes, you know, it takes Butch Vig. <laughs> it's uh, very important to uh, to cl- uh, clean up gar- garbage uh, and a very talented uh, Shirley Manson. Right, well, so yeah, this is the thing. This is like, I feel like garbage qualifies without actually being a super group. It sort of qualifies as a super group. Because it was like put together. Yeah. Like because, Voltron. Yeah. And it was like these these like three guys with, with real production cred and then they, wa- they went to get a singer, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and uh, after a couple of auditions, Shirley Manson was the one, and magic, magic was made because it's just a great, um, you know, I don't know, uh, amalgamation of, of songwriting, of production, of vocal performance, of persona, you know. Um, so this uh, this was their debut album uh, from 1995. I seem to rec- I owned this album on CD, and I liked listening to it a lot. And I was. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to look for chart positions, but I think it did. I think it did very well. Uh, album entered the Billboard 200 at 193, reaching a peak position of number 20, uh, double platinum in the United States. Uh, four, I think, four million copies worldwide, or something like this. So this was a huge, this was a huge success, especially, uh, especially from a debut album. And I just like, uh, I, I recall it. I recall it feeling refreshing at the time when it came out. You know, uh, I, I don't know. Was it? Did Did you guys have this back in the nineties? Well, so I actually was really, really into garbage. Mm. Um, I was like, I did, would also. Did you like the band that we were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. I would bathe in trash. No, I was a hoarder. Uh, I was a hoarder. I, I was confessions a, I was a of a high school hoarder. Right, I was a hoarder, and I loved the band Garbage. No, I, I would say for me, it was um, seventh grade was the year of Garbage, uh, and I really liked this this debut album. I was I was very taken with it. To me, I think in a, in a kind of time where it was very important to sort of make, like, strong, bold choices about... You know, this is definitely one of those, like, rock versus rapper type, like, click division times, right? Where no one was, like, mature enough to be able to say that they liked rock and hip-hop, right, at the same time. So you had to choose, and you had to carve these, like, kind of identity ni- niches, right, yeah. for yourself. To me, Garbage was, like, great. It was, I was really taken with the sound. I really like Shirley Manson as, like, a performer and, like, a kind of someone to look up to. And it was, to me, sort of, like, I would describe it as, like, gothy without being too gothy and, like, al- like interesting and alternative. It was, like, it was like the most interesting thing to me in, like, the alternative rock spectrum to choose from at the time. Whereas my friends were, like, really heavily invested in 
like Marilyn Manson or uh, Nine Inch Nails or the Smashing Pumpkins, I I really gravitated towards this band as being like the one for me. Like it was a great amalgamation of like I don't know different sounds that were different from those other bands, um, and also to me also sounded kind of refreshingly different, yet also could kind of be arguably like in that cohort and sound like rock and alternative rock in particular. It is so interesting that there there is a kind of great 95 is a year of a, a great kind of gothy turn in alternative rock. Huh. Because if you think, like, um, you mentioned Smashing Pumpkins, and we, you know, we did Siamese Dream, which is not on that tip, but certainly um, by Melancholy and, uh, Kali and the Infinite Sadness, which comes out later in 95, uh, in uh, October 23rd. Um, and that's where um, Billy Corgan loses all of his hair and gets a shirt that says zero on it, right? And, that, and I think that look yes. is very um, goth adjacent. And we're, I think, at that point, like a year yeah, out from like downward Nos- spiral. That's like Nosferatu. That's like yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really yeah, German yeah, yeah. expression. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's a cabinet of Dr. Caligari Corps, um, and 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 you had, and I, I would need to check the dates on Marilyn Manson, but it's, um, I think, around then, and you have a downward spiral. So um, that there is a lot more uh, eyeliner, nail polish, and and tight black pants, right? Um, by by the time you're in 95 and I think I I definitely had a um, I did not have this CD I definitely fell um, I, but I did have Melancholy and Infinite Sadness so in that kind of um goth smoothie of 1995 I was a little more on that side but I definitely liked the singles so this actually listening to this as an album um, has been kind of a first time for me and a kind of introduction mm. to this well Ryan and I uh, Rachel and I can't hang out with you because yeah. you're not in our clique you're not in our yeah. garbage clique you know that's it's, like uh, yeah it's well, funny because I think to me I mean I also had melancholy and infinite sadness because I think it was part of the required listening of the time mm-hmm. and whereas that was like a big old bloated mess with a lot of filler <laughs> like garbage is. You take you, that back. You take that back. No, you're right. It was right. It was a double album. Did not need to be one. Um, whereas like garbage's debut. <laughs> it was the white, the Beatles' white album of 1995. <laughs> it was the it was the use your illusion one and two of 1995. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Billy Corgan had many illusions and he used all of them. <laughs> I feel like the garbage album, in contrast, is like yeah. start to finish a pretty tight little product. Like yeah. it is, it is an album. Uh, I think the sequencing is really good, and I just, I you know, I think it it, it definitely. I think what's great about garbage, I think you would have your depressive cake and eat it too. And I think that is like summed up in the the big single, the the hit, only happy when it rains. It's like a song made by adults who are like being ironic, but also do sort of earnestly like. Yeah. Relate to the idea that they like depressing shit. And and I think, you know, it was great because it allowed like the thirteen year old, like sullen teenager part of me, uh, like have that catharsis, but like it, it was still kind of like grounded and sort of maybe like a I think a group of people who were a little bit like more mature and like actively setting out on this like project that was not like this kind of um, posturing in like the alt rock depressive like uh, aesthetics. I mean, the other song that, uh, and it's not on this album, but I associated the, uh, this whole moment because I think it came out a year later is Number One Crush. Yeah. Because um, that, that has that very kind of gothy vibe mm. um, too. And it's from the um, soundtrack to um, Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet, which is a great soundtrack, but it's no hopeless fountain kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> of Romeo and Juliet go. Um, you know, it's 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 like up there, but again, it's no Halsey. Um, Every time I listen, I, I like assess a piece of work. I'm like, is this hopeless? Not a and, and, I go, and truly, nothing is. Nothing is. Nothing. Not, is. I mean, we, we, we either either it has hope, it lacks fountains, or it's a it's different. Not a it's, yeah. it's merely a principality. <laughs> it's a city. An uh, unincorporated. That's right. <laughs> section of land. City state. All right. Well, we should let you get to listening to to the album. So uh, either visit or revisit uh, Garbage's debut album, Garbage. There have been various special editions, but nothing, you know, it's oft recapitulated, never duplicated. Nothing compares to the original. Go back and listen to 1995's self-titled debut from Garbage. Uh, Put this podcast on pause and meet us back here after this word. 
from our commercial sponsor. Are you trying to teach your dog new tricks? Yeah, I, I have this dog. It's uh, Incidentally, it's an old dog, mm. like a very old mm. dog. And I bet you don't have a lot of time for things like dog instruction or dog walking. I just, I'm juggling so many balls in the air, and I just can't juggle a dog on top of that. Well, then why don't you open up your smartphone and book Rover? Uh, Rover, the dog walking app. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, wait, it's just as easy as installing this app and I can get a dog walker? Why, yes. Rover.com is a Seattle-based company selling pet services, including in-home dog boarding and pet sitting. It's like Uber for your dog. Wow. Uber for my dog? Can I exploit my dog by paying it less than a living wage? Hey, I think your dog is an independent contractor. Not a and and not an, a W two employee, so you can do whatever you want. Oh, my dog will love this. My dog has really wanted the flexibility to be able to take walks whenever he or she feels like it. I'm not sure the gender of my dog, and you know, I think this is a great opportunity for my dog to pursue its other interests while it also walks. <laughs> yeah, that's it's that simple. And so your dog is going to learn a few new tricks in that sharing economy, <laughs> Rover, for you. And your flexible, modern, millennial dog. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, That's real. Rover's real. <laughs> it's a real product. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't pay us to mention them. We, we, we just don't... Uh, we just love the sharing economy um, so much. Well, I guess if there's no question, then we are pretty much over with the podcast. We're pretty much through, you know. That's... Uh, that's the. I, was I have a question, Matt. I have a question for you. <laughs> oh, good. Um, this this churches. Yes. Oh, so shit! I just I just did my question. <laughs> well, good. You have a couple time, uh, moments. This garbage uh-huh. uh, with their Scottish singer and their blend of of anthemic rock music and electronic music. Are they the churches of the nineties? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's. I, I think that this dynamic is a dynamic that exists in bands, right? And it's it's maybe a little bit retrograde, but sort of female singer and like dude bro uh, band band players, right? Like, and I, I think both. Uh, Shirley Manson and Lauren Mayberry transcend that, transcend the kind of negative part of that, that the kind of negative aspects of that stereotype for, for a couple of reasons. Like, I remember Shirley Manson being, um, like really provocative in interviews and really willing to challenge, to kind of stand up and challenge people and not put up with bullshit and things like this. And it got, you know, predictably it got her a, like, Bad, troubled girl, sexy, dangerous, red hair reputation. Um, but like she was doing it, and like it's it's interesting. Like it's interesting because Rachel characterized them as adults, kind of play acting as children. Before she was twenty nine when this album dropped. You know what I mean? Like this is something that happens, I guess, to us on this podcast a lot, which is that the talent on the records that we talk about is younger than we are oh, yeah. now. But at the time they seemed like real you know, if I I was fifteen, right? And they seemed like grown ups, then there was just like one dividing line of like child and grown up and they were But they like were relative to Alanis, right? In who in the same year was what, like twenty one, right? Yeah, on the, sure, on the, sure other end of the 20s right, right? Mm-hmm. and had sung in other bands and stuff like yeah. that and so at Alanis but you know right no I, I do think for for like pop star rock star 29 is like mature you know <laughs> and not in any other capacity like I don't think 29 is old or something but you know it's compared to like I don't know like most female pop stars are like groomed and like working like very very young while they're teenagers sure they're like work, you know. They're they're often like hitting their twenties at like at a peak and having a peak at success there, or like really like hitting the career highs at like the start of their twenties. So I do think for yeah, for someone of- to sort of be coming into like becoming famous and becoming like part of this big known entity at twenty nine is like still a little unusual, right? It's it's I think that is. That's, like, the story of people who, like, conceivably could have, like, gone a cycle through, like, trying to make it in this industry and decided, like, not to continue, right? Or, like, 
that's the age where you might be like, yeah, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, like, a desk job. So I do think, like, 29 sort of mature for, like, rock star. Huh. But, yeah. it's, but yes, it's not in any other capacity. It is not mature, right? It's a totally young age. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and, and then I think, like, the thing that, that, that we're talking about is the kind of the dynamic among the kind of the backing members, the producers, and then the the sort of singer uh the singer songwriter now i know lauren mayberry writes all the lyrics um to uh, oh, she writes the lyrics for churches i think the songs on garbage are credited to garbage so like the idea is that it's this collective effort among the four of them with different people throwing in mm. different things at 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 different times but there de- i mean there definitely is kind of a figure ground relationship right like between the uh, between the singer and the um, uh, between the singer and the backing members, uh, and in in that way, I guess the answer to your question is a qualified, you know, is a qualified yes. Um, Thank you for qualifying it so vigorously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, because I think the thing that's qualified is that like churches is kind of on trend. Right, mm. they're very they're very good, mm. but they are like at at the yeah. the time of the electropop revival, yeah. they were like the apotheosis of the electropop revival. Well, right, and right. the first album we've talked about this this class of twenty thirteen. Right, yeah. and and there was uh, part of why this became a music podcast is because there was a recognizable cluster of things that all lived in some kind of a synth pop space. Yeah, exactly. And like, so garbage is an outlier. Well, I. I think that they were a little bit, they sounded more pathbreaking just because the difference, like, you know, Butch Vig, who made Nevermind, who produced Nevermind and who worked with Smashing Pumpkins and who, you know, I mean, given his, like, serious kind of grungier alternative rock credentials, it seems like this, you know, almost electronic album, like... You know, this this shades towards what will become the prodigy sound a little mm. bit, right? Mm. Like, and, and it doesn't. It's not ridiculous like prodigy is, but like, it, it's going in that. They're not a full fire starter. They're just like a like. <laughs> they're a they're they're like they're just like burning a few embers, right? <laughs> I did. I mean, I got I got some shade thrown at this album by my dad, who when I played it for him and I was fifteen, played that opening that opening track, which is like. And then the the thing, and he rolls his eyes and goes, "They probably did that electronically. They didn't even really play that break. The, the you know <laughs> the way they the way they you know the way they ought to, right? Um, and that you know so that this was like this was clearly not in that same kind of like lo-fi authenticity discourse as as even as bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, other other bands like that yeah, were. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of like listening to it again, it is it's like very produced, mm-hmm. which makes sense because it's like a bunch of people with like producing yeah. credits, right? And who like mm-hmm. came into this project, I like I had read how their idea was like they were into making remixes and they're like well how do we take like our interest in making remixes but like mm. take it put it on a band yeah. like an actual band and i do think this is what you get it's a very like mm. produced sound it's not it yeah it doesn't sound like just a, just a couple of people like in their basement playing or whatever <laughs> you know it's 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 like very much sounds like this like thing mm. that's been like created in in the studio yeah. it's, it's a DIY remix and then like they are like you are mixing and remixing immediately right? yes it's like a it's like the the twice baked potato of rock music <laughs> <laughs> right and you you write the song once and play it uh, and then you scoop it out uh, Mix in some, mix in some more electronic uh, flourishes, and then you bake it again, and then you, and that's a garbage song. It's like a deviled egg, right? Yeah. Like where you, you take all the yolks, you mush them up with some mustard and shallots, and uh, and then what comes out is. So there is a a light well actually. I want to talk about remixing in a minute, but yeah, what do you say? Well, I think this is actually it's related because. 
you know, you talk about Butch Vig's um, uh, work with Nirvana on Nevermind, and the thing is, is that there was a big kind of controversy at the time, um, or uh, you know, between um, Nirvana, specifically Kurt Cobain and Vig, of that he thought the that Kurt Cobain thought the original mixes of Nevermind sounded too clean and too processed and not grungy enough. Hmm. Um, and so I think that Vig always was a little bit in those areas. And right when we talked about the Smashing Pumpkins album, he did um, was Siamese Dream, hmm. and right. That was itself a little bit apart from the Pearl Jams um, and the and and Nirvana, um, in that it was already a little cleaner. Um, and w- the touch point for that um, was My Bloody Valentine, right? Was was Shoegaze, which had um, at least this emphasis on on kind of studio work, right? And kind of um, really really starting to mess with the sound in a way that isn't just kind of thick and meaty, but has a lot more kind of shimmery layers, right? And so you have that here. And I think that the other piece, and so that kind of shoegaze um, element is kind of looks across the Atlantic a little bit, right? There's uh, this is this is the OG transatlanticism, right? <laughs> um, uh, well before, uh, just a bit before Ben Gibbard really burst onto the scene, and certainly before that uh, Death Cab album, right? That there's a lot of things that are about this that are looking across the Atlantic, right? They, I think the shoegaze is one of them. Yeah, I mean Shirley Manson being Scottish, right? But having a, um, uh, a, a a singer from the UK is another, and I think a third, and I think that part of how I parse the electronic beats is a little bit, and we talked about this a little bit, some of that sound is there on Jagged Little Pill as well, and that there was this thing that was kind of going on um, in the UK in the late 80s, early 90s, where that kind of bi- bits of Acid House uh, were merging with um, with rock music, right? And it's, it's you know, it's called kind of the Madchester scene or, and the genre descriptor, and it's not one that we didn't really cover because um, a little outside of my direct area of uh, expertise or interest is baggy, right? And so the, the Manchester bands, um, bands like, and I've talked about them a little bit, like Happy Mondays um, and and I think Stone Roses are, are kind of lumped in this baggie, have a little bit of this synthesized drum sound mm-hmm. and a little bit of that yeah. Um, and 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 it was this kind of combining of some of the set more psychedelic elements of electronic music with some of the more kind of psychedelic elements of of kind of especially kind of sixties seventies oriented rock and roll. And I think we'll we'll hit this because you know in parallel right that is itself a reaction, especially as Britpop then becomes popular in the early and mid nineties, is a reaction to Nirvana and to that sound. So this is kind of you know a there is a and this is not Britpop, but it, it is Britpop friendly, right? And and kind of uh, and and is pre-synthesizing some of the th- some of the elements that get synthesized differently um, in in Britpop. And so I feel like it's all of these. It's it's like residual residual rock, right? So like, what are the things in rock and in kind of alternative rocks that are not grunge? Um, and this is a a synthesis of almost all of the yeah. of those, right? I mean, this this kind of gets at what. I- what I wanted to talk about with about remixing. By the way, I'm, I just I just Wikipedia searched Marilyn Manson. Is it just me or does Marilyn Manson look a little bit like Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you dress Benedict Cumberbatch in that way, like you could probably fool me. <laughs> um, the uh, I think I mean I feel like remixing goes in two directions. One is you take uh, a song that's maybe popular or well known, but is not quite there in terms of like danceability or something, mm-hmm. and you make it a like club sensation, mm-hmm. right? The other way though is that you reinterpret a song through the lens of a subaltern music hmm. you know what I mean where mm-hmm. you kind of bring something like I mean and sort of so with your with your laundry list of of le- lesser known British su- electronic subgenres right. right like it would be a remix practice to yeah. do the yeah. acid house version of you know yesterday right. or something right, like right, that right. or like that that's that's the thing and so the idea that these so I think it I think it dovetails nicely with the with the band's kind of stated aim 
medium to kind of bring the remix sensibility. And your uh, conversation about yeah, or your proposition about the um, uh, the way that this sort of dovetails a lot of uh, non grunge trends in rock music uh, at the same time. Like the idea that the idea that this is a sort of this is a catalog of lesser known of lesser known corners. It sort of like reaches down and brings what is obscured up into the light. Right. And, you know, and does it uh, kind of makes it accessible, you know, in a way that, that it wouldn't have been before. When it becomes like emergent pop, right? Right. None of these things were popular at that time. And yet it kind of, I think what's amazing about garbage, uh, about the album as you hear it and about the band is that it, it is, it's so, it seems so obvious, right? And, and and you hear this, and it's like, well, this is this is now, and this is the future, right? right? And and it makes, I mean, it's part of why you know what we're honing in in 1995 is such a inflection point, right? This this specific arc of jagged little pill, um, tragic kingdom, and now garbage is that that there are so many more elements of synthesizer of kind of really welcoming the 80s back in right it's just as like you know a lot of the first part of the 90s was about slamming that door mm-hmm. uh, then this is about re you know reopening it at a crack and kind of creating this trajectory that is going to kind of carry through in a lot of ways to the, the later part of the 90s and the early 2000s in terms of what pop music is right the, the, you know this is very I mean, this is this is pop indie slash indie pop. Right? Yeah. This is like the the Ouroboros is the snake's tail is meeting its lips, right? <laughs> <laughs> As, uh, you know, oh, open wide uh, because yeah, it's coming for you. It's, gar- so- it's garbage in, garbage out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that like um, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. And these th- these three albums. Um, not only use electronics, but they also all have a sense of something like fun, you mm-hmm. know, like Alanis and no doubt, especially, but I think even in the kind of the gleeful, ironic, I'm only happy when it rains kind of thing. Like there's, there's this sense of, of fun, of performativity, of kind of tweaking you a little bit, you know, of, of a kind of joy in confronting you with certain things, you know, they could all have a song called excuse me, mister on them and it wouldn't sound out of place. And that's uh, a, it's kind of bringing that back after the, you know, after the kind of the dominant narrative was grunge focused. Yeah, no, I do think there is like a levity in this in this album that isn't present, and I, I think that it goes with like the Brit pop kind of like as, uh, ascendancy as well, right? It's like the return to levity or a certain kind of like humor, like levity and humor. Yes. Where where do you where else do you see it in in garbage? Like, um... I mean, it's interesting because I do think it's like it's still a kind of heavy sounding album, but I do think it is in like. Like it is in like I think like the irony of only happy when it rains or, or I, I think there it's tongue in cheek right mm. like that song is tongue in cheek it's in I think just in general I think there's a kind of just like the sound is a little lighter right it's because it is like just in the production alone it's like you know if if Kurt Cobain then like turned around and hired Steve Albini so right. it could sound like you know, I don't know, a guy jerking off into a dirty towel, like, on a loud train or something. Like, that this is, like, this is not that, right? That is the best description of, like, the, the Albini sound. Like, I want to feel like that. It's so real. It's so real. It's so real. You know, this yeah, this is not that. I think there's just like levity. Just even the sound is it has that levity as well. well. I think that there's a that, that there's an irony there, right? In that the band is called garbage, right? Because it's right. like it would be appropriate for a band, an Albini band, for Albini core to, to be called garbage, <laughs> garbage, right? But the fact that this is actually so clean, yeah. right, and so um, and has these kind of explicitly kind of poppy tendencies, at least in some of the production. Um, if not kind of melodically, right, is that the, that the garbage is calling it garbage is ironic because mm-hmm. they, they know it's awesome, yeah, <laughs> you know, and so uh, and so I think that that's very that's really interesting. I think there's even like uh, this is kind of like veering off, but even in like the 
you know, I think part of the, well, it's hard to talk about the 90s and not talk about, like, the sort of, like, presentation of, like, the female, like, the kind of different styles of these mm-hmm. female vocalists, yeah. like, and the, they're kind of, like, style and presentation choices. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, like, to me, it's interesting because even Shirley Manson's, like, kind of contribution to all this is sort of look like, uh, like someone, like, like the Avengers gone, like, a little darker you know it's like these kind of like mod looking shift dresses like she could be emma peel but then like emma peel had a smoky eye that was like really like very very dark you know it's it's sort of like this it's it's a clean look with like just a little bit of must up must upness and edge right and i think that kind of goes with the like overall sound as well of the band uh the, that kind of presentation just as I think, like the the Gwen Stefani presentation, it kind of goes with the sound of that band, right? Sure, it's like the the kind of forties, you know, retro, right? Yeah, or- like that for well, yeah, and like the Gwen Stefani sort of is like, you know, what what do I wear? What do I wear to the skate park? Mm-hmm. And like also kind of yeah, almost I guess like the suburban thing makes me think of like Gwen Stefani's look because it's almost like. Like calling back on like the sub like a, like a post war suburbia look well, it's, yeah. it's, it's and like really, the current yeah. suburbia look yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. putting Savani, them together it's it's uh, Gwen Stefani is like putting on a show at the skate, skate park, park right yeah. it's yeah. just yeah. like it's, a side yeah. hey everybody let's put on a show right and the it's, skate park's gonna close if we don't because like to put together right and like if you watch the after we recorded last <laughs> week we actually went and re- watched No Doubt's um, concert video live from the Tragic Kingdom and. Um, Gwen Stefani's onstage banter, and this actually connects TFT to Overthinking It, that she sounds like Judy Garland and Liza Minnelli. Uh-huh. That her stage voice yeah. is very like, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> right? Like, oh, you really like me? Oh, this, oh, everyone's so great. I'm so happy that you're so all grand. here. It's so grand. It's so grand that you're all all jumping around to the ska beat. <laughs> you know, when compare that to like Courtney, Courtney Love, right? And like the whole look, and that's like that's like the like purposefully like I want to make you uncomfortable with how sloppy I look, right? Yeah. And then that's like its own kind of statement. But it's also yeah, it's it's it is because it sort of takes the like the baby doll fantasy image to mm-hmm. like its ultimate kind of destitute. Uh, is, is this what you want? Is this yeah. is, is right. this what you wanted? <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think that is exactly like the posture of like the Courtney Love look, right? right? And and that's very different from like the Shirley Manson look, which is. Yeah, like I would say, like Emma Peel, but like gone rogue or something. Like. Yeah, it's it's almost like the cover of the album, which is like pink feathers, mm-hmm. right, with the G stencil kind of branded mm-hmm. onto it, and that's that like that uh, femininity or that like kind of put togetherness or a kind of like mod. Well, feathers not mod, but like a what you're saying, yeah. mod. It's sort of like a. Uh, uh, sort of a '60s kind of look, right? With yeah. like, with the like the the bit of grunge, the bit of like decay. Well, on and, it, and it's also know? an impossibility and constructedness because how do you stencil a pile of feathers? They would just go everywhere. Right. <laughs> like, you could not get it on there. So it's it's there's it's it can't be done mechanically. Right? right. There is a sense of it being um, uh, kind of uncanny. Right. There's an uncanniness to the stamped on um, G on the feathers, just as there is to the sound. Right. It's it's the you, there's a lot of sounds here, I and mean, from the beginning, right. It is hyper real. It's back to your dad's comment of like they couldn't have done that live right right um and and so it's it's kind of also it is the uncanny valley it's not the uncanny valley though is it's but it's kind of the uncanny valley of alt rock but that there is like a realness here right Mm -hmm. um and that's what i think makes it stick and not just be um a a tributary now that's uh, we're talking about this this stuff in terms of i think sort of sound instrumentation arrangement and things like this in terms of song structure and construction it is a straight up pop album Mm -hmm. like it has instrumental hooks that are great like it has verse chorus song Mm -hmm. structures Mm -hmm. with like with very clear arrivals and very you know what I mean? Very clear kind of gratification uh, of, uh, you know, of your, like, d- of the kind of tension release cycle. And, uh, and, and like, lyrical concerns that are, um, you know, at least appropriate for the time. Right. Right? <laughs> like... Uh, Say more about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like the, the sort of... 
the performance of misery or the kind of the performance mm-hmm. of a like a, of a, of an attractive depression you know is is very current at the time and five years later would be gone in the mainstream as like Britney Spears and, and Christina Aguilera supplanted Alanis and Gwen Stefani as the like the ma- mm. the dominant mainstream mode yeah. you know yeah. like there's nothing there's nothing depressed about baby one more time you know what I right, mean right 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 um, there's nothing depressed about being a genie in the bottle you're just like so you're just in in utter eagerness in just a flutter of foreboding not foreboding a flutter of excitement waiting for someone to rub that bottle but I, I almost couldn't imagine the, the the 1995 song about being a genie in a bottle and it's about being trapped right <laughs> and it's about being uh, you know and any again any of the these albums could have had a version uh, of that. I'm a genie in a bottle. You're oppressing me all day. (laughs) (laughs) I want to perform for you. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, um, uh, it's, but that's, I mean, we were like, we were joking, but like, I I think that that kind of idea is actually in, um, in not by, not my idea. Right. Um, uh, right. So the, the lyrics are, I bit my tongue and stood in line, uh, with not much to believe in. I bought into what I was sold and ended up with nothing. This is not my idea of a good time. This is not my idea of a good time. This is not my idea of good a good time. This is not my idea. Right. Yeah. Which are two which are two related but distinct claims. Right. Like this is not my yeah. idea is like I'm not the person who generated yeah, this yeah, yeah. this uh, proposition. Yeah. And this is not my idea of a good time means I'm not enjoying myself, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that like yeah, th- this uh, I bought into what I was sold. See, it seems to be a kind of uh, uh, you know a real motif in in a lot of these things with the you know the 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 uh, a lot of these current records with the idea uh, Green Day um, mm-hmm. you know the idea that there is a system man and the system is selling you uh, you know a bill of goods and stuff and the system is like telling you how to be and what's important and what you should want and stuff and like this isn't this is and that's not me right right well it's, I like the idea of that I bought into what I was sold and ended up with nothing because it's like you are it purports to be selling Selling you a product, yeah, but, it's, goods, but yeah. it's in fact selling you a, a lottery ticket, right? right? Um, and and or at, at the best, a lottery t- ticket, and at worst, a sham. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, what do you see? Is that? I mean, and it's it's a little vague, but how do you like make the the, the object of it? Is it kind of is it society, or is there a specific kind of? Do you guys see a specific aim to the kind of society, right? So is this a kind of – is it a generational critique? Is it a feminist critique? Is it all of the above? Is it general critique? Uh, uh, is it generic 90s critique uh, of the system, man? You know, I don't know. But I think a lot of the songs, too, are like kind of – they're addressed like a you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like addressed to a subject. Yeah. So I feel like – Which is Butch Vick. Right, she's singing to Butch Vig. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm not really sure. Like, like there seems it's like it's not a breakup album in the way like uh, Tragic Kingdom is, right? But or the way that um, uh, Jagged Little Pill, Pill is, right? right? But it's or the way that Hopeless Fountain Kingdom is. It's like it's like it's like there's a lot of like Wait. there's a lot of songs addressed to like a you who was manipulative, you know. Wait. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to talk about Hopeless Fountain Kingdom for the rest of the hour. Well, she's she's bad at love. <laughs> so bad at love. Yeah, but it's about it's about a love that can't get. A Hopeless Fountain Kingdom is about a love that can't get started. It's kind of about everything. <laughs> it's kind of like and, and by, and, and by being multitudes. Yeah, by being about everything, I think it really achieves something remarkable, and that's to be about nothing. True. True. Yeah. Go on. We are Sorry, not, we didn't we are not here to bury Hopeless Fountain Kingdom. We are We're here, here to, to praise, praise garbage. To praise garbage. Yeah, no, I think uh, a lot of songs are like addressed to this like you who manipulated mm. uh, the speaker. Mm. And so I, I guess you could put that on anything, right? It mm. could be like institutions or it's like parents. a person, it's a parents. parent. Yeah. Right, like they're, they're all kind of like 
they're, they're, it doesn't like they're not necessarily like explicitly huh. romantic or sexual. Yeah, it's like just always this like I'm angry. Right. You manipulated me. That's so who is you? I don't really know. Well, the you is not me. Not me. Right. right? right. Like, <laughs> you. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's someone. Yeah. It's yeah. Something. I mean, and that that kind of. I mean, there's something about that self-centeredness, right? It's like there's me, and then everyone else is a you, yeah. right? And because there's not there's not really a we. Right, there's not a there's not a we or an us particularly. No. So it's a a me against them. Yes, it's it's. I think a lot of the songs are kind of like me against them. I have this feeling, you know. And I think that you. that like that is a very we were talking about them doing like. Uh, um, not not uh, talking about them doing uh, acne face, <laughs> you know? yeah. right? And that that is a very adolescent sort of mentality yeah. about the way you think about the world. Is like you are the only person who has ever sort of yeah. thought and felt and yeah. and had ideas and you know hated society and things like that. Yeah. There's this sort of isolation of me and uh, me and everybody, right? That's just the sort of existential state of of being an adolescent like that. Um, yeah, I mean it's interesting. Another thinking about that and thinking about adolescence. I think a flip side of that is um, is stupid girl, right? Um, because the you there, um, I'll, I'll read a little more, right? It's, you pretend you're high, pretend you're bored, pretend you're anything just to be adored, and what you get, what you need, is what you get. Don't believe in fear. Don't believe in faith. Don't believe in anything that you can't break. You stupid girl. You stupid girl. All you had, you wasted. All you had, you wasted. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that that weirdly feels like though a bit more of an. I mean. It's it's on the one hand it's an indictment of the I think of an adolescent, but it's it's interesting whether it is adult on adolescent like uh, indictment or adolescent. On oh adolescent, man, adult right? adult on adolescent <laughs> violence needs to stop. You know. <laughs> Um, I'm going to get a tape recorder in. Yeah, I mean, I right. Whether whether she's talking about a peer and criticizing, right, right. or whether there's something sort of regretful, whether it's like to the self at a different time of development. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's like, uh, I can't believe I'm such a stupid girl. Stupid, stupid, <laughs> stupid girl. <laughs> stupid girl. <laughs> All I had, I wasted. All I had, I wasted. (laughs) Stop stupid girling yourself. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, I don't know. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I I can't really tell, like, if this is, like, a peer or not. I I think it's a peer. I I mean, that's sort of my read, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure I have, like, a... It's not really clear to me who it, who it is. Right, or if it's sort of this, like, monologue about, like, contempt, you know. Well, because, like, if you call somebody stupid, it's from a position of not stupid. Right. <laughs> like, that's right. That's like, true. Uh, and, and, uh, and so that's a... Because, like, it's a you know better in some way, right? And so it is... Even if it's a peer age-wise, it's not a peer in in kind of self-awareness, right? At right. the very least, right? And so that per- right, like to be stupid is to be to be able to be labeled as stupid is to be like inferior, right? Because it's like the things that you're doing um, are a waste, right? That's the the second part. You stupid girl, all you had, you wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is uh, that that's uh, implying a kind of superior knowledge, right? So that um, it, that there. Is a even if it is is a a peer, it's a peer who's more immature or like less less knowledgeable, right? Yeah, and you know, I think in I, I mean, I think in the way I also read this is that it's kind of it seems to be like condemning a peer for uh, choosing a path of like a, kind of like a manipulation or like kind of a dependency on people. Mm. Uh, rather than sort of like standing on their own with like what they with their like like being self possessed and standing on their own and not kind of like you know and I think it's just like kind of like to me it's like this sort of like choice like are you going to be like a trophy wife or like a or some or some other kind of mode right are right. you going to have like carve your own path right and like trophy wife being just kind of standing for this idea of like this path of like relying on like 
kind of being like uh, feminine or sort of like w- like rely on these other things as like crutches rather than some sort of other source of strength or mm-hmm. power or self possession. I so I mean yeah, I, 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 yeah. A, a couple of things about that like the idea of wasted like the tragedy is in the wasted mm. aspect of it right because yeah. like it's not like all you could have ever been is a is a trophy wife right mm. like you didn't have the potential for something more it's the opposite it's that like cuz wasting means you treat something valuable like it's not valuable right and so like you had capacities and you had sort of potential and things like this and sort of chose to throw throw them away uh chose to throw them away because um, you know you didn't value them and you valued this other this other thing more uh, just to be adored right like yeah. pretending and I mean words from the lyrics pretending uh, d- to be adored um, a million lies to sell yourself mm-hmm. you know um, the, I think well, the other key word, word is girl right, right. It, it, not it's not stupid woman yeah not stupid lady <laughs> <laughs> Stupid dame. <laughs> stupid broad. That would be a no doubt song. Hey, like the stupid broad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, stupid broad would have been from that swing revival. Right, right. right. <laughs> hey, you're a stupid broad, but I kind of like that. <laughs> Don't like my broads too smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cherry pop and daddies. Um, the the there's there's a linguistic ambiguity in these lyrics that I think is is interesting. The the um, before the chorus, stupid girl, stupid girl. There's always this uh, this little thing about what you don't believe in. Don't believe in fear. Don't believe in faith. Don't believe in anything that you can't break. The next one is uh, don't believe in love. Don't believe in hate. Don't believe in anything that you can't waste. Right? Uh, don't believe in fear. Don't believe in pain. Don't believe in anyone that you can't tame. Now, I think these are manifestly criticisms, right? You don't believe in fear and you should. You don't believe in faith and you should. You don't believe in anything that you can't tame uh, or that you can't break. But you should believe in things yeah. that you can't tame. But they're also just at face value could be commands. Don't believe in fear. Mm-hmm. Don't believe in faith. Mm-hmm. Don't believe in anything that you can't break. Right? That uh, you know that, and that this is from the from the position of the older, in this case, like jaded uh, older person. You know, who is giving this like cynical advice to sort of to to correct the like naivete of the of the mm-hmm. either the younger self or the the uh, mm-hmm. or of the stupid girl whoever she is to to every stupid girl wherever they are <laughs> <laughs> and i think you know if this was like a a whole album it's like you could you could think like oh that maybe it's like a shifting like perspective right cuz like the whole song's kind of shift perspectives mm. in the lyrics but I do think, yeah, I think because it's not a whole album, it's like, I don't know if I read, I would then read some of these, like, you know, I don't read, I think it's usually the same speaker, right? So yeah. I do think it makes sense then to have it be sort of, it's like, like talking back to that younger stupid girl. Uh, rather than sort of like switching to the stupid girl perspective in song, <laughs> which I think would happen in like a whole song, right? And yeah, it's not the the multi vocal stupid girl, right? <laughs> no, right, right. Um, are there other Rachel other songs that you like always were either personal favorites or things that um, jumped out at you on on relisten? Yeah, you know, I still really like "Only Happy When It Rains." Uh, the other, like, I guess, big single. It just. It's, it's like we did none of the big singles on um, on Tragic Kingdom, on Tragic and now we're hitting, we're hitting the jams. We're hitting the jams here, but yeah, I I think the song is funny. Like, I think I can appreciate it more even like you know now as an adult. Like, it just. It's a funny song, and I actually do relate to it, though, like, on a very earnest level. (laughs) Like, I think the lyric of it, and why it feels so good to feel so sad, is actually, like, to me, like, pretty earnest and poignant to me. (laughs) Like, yeah, it does feel good sometimes to feel so sad. (laughs) There is something cathartic about sadness, Hmm. and actually, Hmm. that is like a... Would you say that it's a kind of... 
melancholy and a kind of infinite <laughs> sadness. Would I say that? <laughs> or is it a finite sadness? Is it a finite sadness? Mm. Yeah, it should have been a finite sadness. Instead, <laughs> instead it was an infinite sadness of two CDs. <laughs> so who do you hate more, Billy Corgan or Steve Albini? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's a hard question. <laughs> the, correct, uh, the right answer is Halsey. <laughs> <laughs> It's always Halsey. It's always Halsey. No, but I do, I like, for real, I I do find that sentiment kind of strangely uh, poignant. And and it's funny. It's a funny song. It's, it it is about like, the gloating and the sadness is funny. And, but yet I relate to it as an actual, like, a sentiment. How do you, it's an interesting contrast between this kind of sadness and this, uh, with, with like emo sadness, right? Oh, yes. Um, like, yes. How, I, well, like, cause like, I'm, I'm intuiting the way that you're talking about sadness here and recognizing it is very different from, um, cause like, I mean, I'm sure there are some emo boys who are only happy when it rains. Um, <laughs> but like, but like, uh, but for them, it, it is the fault of a stupid girl. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and I guess it's like, yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? Because like th- that, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to work it out, but there. I think that I guess what's like funny about this is is the irony in it, right? It's that I'm happy when it rains, right? And I love it when the news is bad, right? And so these things are are opposites. Where there's one there's yeah. one though that sticks out to me, yeah, which is like it's it's a little bi- not biographical but almost journal- journalistic detail i uh, and it's cuz it's not literary literary i only listen to the sad sad songs mm-hmm. right that's funny cuz it's true <laughs> <laughs> right like that's a thing that people actually do yeah. they only listen to really sad music and like yeah. why you know why you would do that mm-hmm. i think is mm-hmm. is a question is a question worth you know, is a question worth considering, right? Yeah. Like, because I could imagine a different, yeah. I could imagine a different version of this song. Oh, that's, really? That's like, you stupid girl, you're not really sad. You're only faking to pretending to right. make yourself sad right. because it feels good and cathartic to you, and that's yeah. false. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And instead, that's the, that's the emo. That's song. the emo song. Well, that's, yeah, the that's the emo. Version. <laughs> that's the emo. I was gonna say the same thing. That's the emo song. You're only happy when it. Rains. Right. Right. The 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 kind of uh is going to be swing revival emo bands. <laughs> A great, a great turd smoothie uh, of, of male privilege. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, but, that's that's some garbage. <laughs> yeah, I think they're having a festival during the march on Google, right? Uh, but that you know, they already have their fedoras. <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, swing revivalists of the world unite. We have nothing to lose but our zoot suits. <laughs> have we have we driven this this train off the track? Have we taken this good album and done it? Um I like uh as heaven is wide. Um hmm. for for what it's worth. Um I I don't even care about the the verse or like what the what the lyrics uh, what the lyrics are. I mean, I feel like if God's my witness, God must be blind yeah. is the sort of thing that I loved when I was 15 and now is a little like, okay, maybe that's that's a little bit on the nose. But the the way the, the chorus kind of ramps up, like with the, if flesh could crawl my... There's this like kind of build... There's this sort of build up to it and, and a good kind of sense of tension release in the... Um, in the the chorus and like the 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 and also I feel like there's a you know a title is always like a promise like a title is always a um it is is always like stands in relationship to the lyrics of the song or to the song the the experience of the song <laughs> kind of in the same way that the singer the scottish singer stands in relationship to the kind of the backing of the band the um like uh, and you sort of this title, I think, raises false expectations, right? Mm. That it's going to be about 
Like, As Heaven is Wide sounds like the name of the hymn. Like, yeah. you shall take us as heaven is wide. <laughs> or, or it's a Creed song, right? right. <laughs> and you take as heaven is wide. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a baritone uh, trombone. Heaven <laughs> has enough room for you. There's a chair and a nice pull-out sofa. Right, but so it's yeah, super wide. Yeah. But, but this is right. That this pulls the rug out from that, right? Because it's as it's as far from God as heaven is wide. Right, right, and that right, exactly, and that that like um, you know as far from God as angels can fly, which brings up like Lucifer and hell mm-hmm. and like fallen angels and and sort of. Uh, stuff like that, and and though the the, um, yeah. By the way, also like my if flesh could crawl, my skin would fall from off my. Well, maybe not with the internal rhyme. That that's a little, that's that's a little involved for Lauren Mayberry lyric. But the the yeah. the whole the skin falling yeah. off the bones. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Lauren Mayberry. Yeah, lyric. yeah, yeah. Like, it's that the bones, is her, right? The, yeah. There are so many bones, 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 bones everywhere. The bones of what you believe. Yeah. The bones of this. The bones of I that. I like the purity yeah. ring. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's that song? Yes, the, the the very graphic kind of visceral. Yeah, purity yeah, yeah, ring yeah, song. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the crawling into your stomach or whatever. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's no. I I I totally had it. It also resonated. So th- I mean, this is actually. You know, in some ways, this is a kind of synth, indie synth pop album of of the uh, of of twenty of twenty thirteen. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the other line that I liked is it's kind of along this right. It's the um, if God's my witness, God must be blind. Yeah, um, and that one always that one always grab grabbed me. Um, I mean, it's interesting. This is there's a few other appearances of God of of a distant a few appearances of a distant God. Right, right. The, well, uh, at least it's not a malevolent God. Is <laughs> the way you get in the right. the other ones, right? Because this is also a stroke of luck. Right, has. Um, um, a stroke of luck or a di- uh, gift from God, uh, the hand of fate or devil's claws, from below or saints bu- uh, b- above. You came to me. Here comes the cold again. I feel it closing in. It's falling down uh, and all around me, falling. Right. The, well, I think this this sort of ambivalence. I mean, this is a. Uh, uh, yeah, this is a non-adolescent view of of romance and of relationships, right? That where it's like there's this sort of very deep ambivalence of like should my should i trust my impulses mm-hmm. are the things that feel good good for me mm-hmm. you know and that sort of like um you know that that sort of uh uh ambivalence is is definitely more a mid 20s kind of yeah. concern Sorry. than a, than a mid uh a mid uh a mid teens kind of concern right i mean that's interesting right because it's the like the, the the some of the irony and kind of sarcasm that's in a lot of the rest of the album raise about it's like I'm saying one thing but I mean the other and ambivalence is like well I'm like saying these like things uh, and they contradict each other but they're both true right yeah. and, and and so it's a different kind of um, it's a different position right and this is this one's less funny right <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the the and and maybe just to cap it off a little bit in Super Vixen, right? Like the figure of the singer, the eye of the of the song becomes the like the goddess, right? You know what I mean? Because Super Vixen is sort of about like bow down to me, bow down to me, bow down right. to me. Like it's about this right. sort of like this worshipful relationship that people seem to want to enter into with women or with pop stars or with you know some sort of figure that's going to save them and like make their life better, right? That's going to fix all their problems and stuff like that. Like, make a whole new religion, a falling star that you can't, uh, that you cannot live without, and I'll feed your obsession. Rachel, this is one of your favorite songs yes. on the album, right? Yes, I think, um, <laughs> yes, that I like that break a lot. Yeah, the, the break that your, your dad you know what? Scafana. You know what? I'm Matt, and he's dad, <laughs> and I'm out of here. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, late onset adolescence. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're very good at starting albums. Because um, I also like like their second album quite a bit. Yeah, 2.0 and I think was good. Their, their second album also has a very strong start, right? And again, it's just... it's I know it's a strong start, man. That break, the, the ramp up. There's a lot of, like, tension, quiet, loud, tension building in the song. It's 
It's really got everything you would want in a song. It has that quiet, loud, it has that grungy, quiet, loud, loud dynamic. Yeah, it's good. But I feel like that break is almost like, we talk about sonic events at the beginning of an album, yeah. that like that break is kind of an announcement of like, this. the break is really a break with tradition, mm-hmm. right? Or a break with a genre or something like that. And that that like, you know, aside from being catchy, it has a kind of a semantic uh, content as well, where it's like... Um, it's 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 more than the beat that's been broken. Yes, yes. <laughs> I also think it's as far as like the songs on the album. It's one of the like. There's a couple of songs where you really hear that like shoegazy, loveless thing. Yeah, the, my, the my bloody Valentine. Yeah, the my bloody Valentine. Yeah. And I think this is one of those songs. Just like I think, it's, I think it's a good like like nice good start. Like hey, this is we're gonna do this. <laughs> Yeah, like, we're going there. We're going there. This is like a thing we like. <laughs> and we're, this album is going to sound interesting and different. <laughs> well, uh, it might be time to leave it there. Uh, I hope this podcast has sounded interesting and different. Hey, follow us on the Twitter because we like to tweet all day. Follow us on the Facebook because you hear what we have to say. We're going to be here next time telling you how we feel. Between now and then, make sure, make sure, make sure that you keep it real. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I was just rehearsing with my swing revival band. I don't have any singing parts yet.